gospel according to Luke, the 10th chapter. Now, as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Beloved of God, grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's gospel text is a story of two sisters. It's rare in scripture to find a story about sisters. There are a lot of brothers, Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, Peter and Andrew, James and John. That list goes on and on. But there aren't many stories of sisters, so this is a treat. I know something about the dynamics of sisters, having grown up in the middle of three. When I read this story, I'm convinced that Martha was the older sister. She shows all the signs, dutiful, responsible, taking care of business. Mary and Martha lived in Bethany, which was kind of an upscale suburb of Jerusalem. They're thought to have been a family of some means. So they would have had expectations of hospitality that were pretty high. And judging from the snapshot in our text, Martha rose to the occasion, not without a certain degree of frustration, however. Her frustration was actually with Mary, but she aimed it at Jesus. Don't you even care that Mary is not helping me? She's not doing any of the work? Tell her to help me. I have to believe that this was not Martha's finest moment. (laughs) It takes a lot of raw nerve, I think, to boss around the Lord. And then there's Mary, who exhibited all the hallmarks of a younger sibling, more relaxed, trusting that things would work out, that she would be cared for, that everything would be okay. I'm speaking in stereotypes, of course, which can be risky. This is not always the pattern with older and younger siblings. But either way, the personality differences between the sisters created tension, and Jesus found himself right in the middle of a triangle. We might expect Jesus to broker peace with them, to find that middle ground of compromise, but he doesn't do that. He speaks directly to Martha. Martha, he said, you are worried 
and distracted by many things, Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken from her. Far be it from me to criticize Jesus, but this seems a little harsh. This sounds like the perspective of one who has never had to put a big dinner on the table. Doesn't he know how much effort it takes? How many details are involved? Doesn't Jesus understand that if Martha doesn't step up, no one will? How can he trivialize her actions? She's so responsible. How can he attribute them to worry and distraction? And furthermore, if worry and distraction are deal breakers when it comes to be Jesus' friend, we may all be in trouble. We all know something about worry and distraction, don't we? They are the twin offspring of anxiety with the power to burrow into our spirits and take charge. Like Martha, we worry about things close to home, our families, all that it requires to responsibly manage a household. Unlike Martha, our worries don't end there. Our worlds are much bigger than hers was. We are a global people and we have global worries. We, we worry about things that Martha could have never imagined in her wildest dreams. And distraction, we have got to be the most distracted generation of people that have ever lived. I don't know how you would measure that, but I'm making that claim and sticking by it. With our devices beeping and buzzing at us, with our media-saturated culture shimmering with all its bling, distraction is the water we swim in, the air we breathe. Worry and distraction are plagues on all our houses. So I find myself feeling a little defensive when Jesus speaks to Martha, a little protective of her and of myself. Hey, Jesus, I would love to be all chill like Mary, but there are people being gunned down in the street, and our planet is heating up, and my to-do list is as long as my arm. I don't think sitting around is the answer. But then I wonder, I wonder if I'm really hearing Jesus, if I'm truly understanding him, it's easy to hear his words to Martha as a rebuke. Because you're so worried and distracted, you don't have your priorities straight. You should be sitting at my feet, listening and learning like your sister. But I wonder if Jesus is actually saying something quite different. If he's describing a particular spiritual vulnerability that we all have. When you don't take time you need to rest in God's presence, Martha, to draw near to God's word and to soak in God's wisdom, you may find that worry and distraction rule your life. Do you hear the difference? One is admonishment. The other is invitation. Invitation to a way of living in which our spirits are so nourished, so fed, that worry and distraction, though present in our lives, are not able to grow in our spirits like tumors. Jesus invites his friends, he invites us, into sacred time of resting in him, 
sitting at his feet, hearing his promises, soaking up his wisdom. This kind of time, Sabbath time, has the power to renew and refresh and reorient us, no matter how busy or complex or frightening our lives get. Sitting at the feet of Jesus may seem like a luxury, an inefficient use of time when there is so much brokenness in the world that needs repair, when there are so many who need to be cared for in the name of Christ. But it is at the feet of Jesus that we hear the promises that calm our troubled hearts and give us the strength and courage we need to be Christ's people in the world. It is at the feet of Jesus that we are reminded that we are part of something so much bigger than ourselves. We are reminded that God is sovereign over all the universe, all belongs to God. And yet, in all this might and majesty, God draws near to each one of us, loves each one of us. We are held in God's hands and God's heart and are provided grace sufficient for each day. Isn't that why we are here this morning? To hear these promises? There are so many other places we could be, so many other things we could be doing. Working, cleaning, studying, playing sports, visiting friends, entertaining ourselves in some fashion. But we are here, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his words, sharing his supper, taking time to receive the gift of his presence and his promises. It is the good news that sustains us through all of the bad news in this life. It sustained Martha as well. We meet her again in the Gospel of John. Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus died, leaving them deep in grief. When Jesus went to see them, Martha was not complaining about her sister or distracted by the many tasks involved in burial. She had her mind on ultimate matters. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will grant you whatever you ask. Martha, your brother will rise again, Jesus said. I know he will rise on the last day, Lord, at the resurrection. I am the resurrection, Martha, and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, they will live. Do you believe this? Yes, I believe this, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Death comes to visit, and there we find Martha, sitting at the feet of Jesus, hanging on his every word. In the end, that is all any of us can do. In the end, perhaps we are all youngest children, trusting that we will be cared for, trusting that come what may, the love of God endures, and that in life and in death, we are carried in that love. Thanks be to God. Amen.